welcome to a very late edition uh, coming of Bella Goodman's Curse, coming to you live from Tornado Central <laughs> in uh, in Ottawa slash Gatineau, Quebec. We'll call it the National Capital Region of Canada. As always, I am one of your hosts, Steve Sutherland. Uh, with me today is my co-host Julian Amarante. Julian, how you doing? Very good, thank you. Uh, we should tell everybody we're doing this podcast for a second time. Uh, the, tell them, you know, essentially we screened this once, spent a good three hours doing two parts of a podcast and the power went out and we didn't even realize that we had lost everything. So so here we are at it again, you know. Uh, how was your summer? It was good, apart from a tornado. Yeah, that, that then must have... Uh, been uh, quite something to deal with you know um well it seems like i'm a magnet for one so that's the second one <laughs> yeah. that i've been in and like lived in newfoundland through hurricane force winds as well yeah. this one was a little bit more damaging than yeah. than anything i've experienced but well, it was uh, funny because i had spent uh, a couple of weeks up on lake superior and i came back here in the day there was no power and, and uh, i felt like you know I, I i never left lake superior okay like you know back that would have probably been a much nicer feeling it, it, pro it was it was it was actually uh despite watching people freak out because they didn't have power well the, the hipsters in 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 centertown uh, were were freaking out because I, I don't think they could get their designer craft beers but uh hey what can you do right Go back to drinking Canadian and sitting with the what's that joke you always used to make about the the typical Canadian vacation is sitting in a garage yeah. with a cigarette and a Canadian. Yeah, Canadian or or Tim Hortons coffee. There's yeah. the Canadian uh, Canadian uh, vacation. Well, before we get too much away from the actual uh, the actual reason for being here and the reason you all uh, actually listen to us, which is for for great uh, discussion around the leagues of the day and and just the general goings on in the in the footballing community, what we're going to do today is we're going to run through pretty much like the top six we'll say the top six leagues although yeah. there will always be kind of a little bit of debate around what constitutes being a top league or not so through the first half we'll run through uh the the epl uh then we'll run through syria la liga and bundesliga we'll take a quick break at that point we'll come back to liga uh the primera liga a little bit on the champions league and then we'll take our take a, a quick look at uh, MLS as they're moving into their playoff season, as well as the Copa Libertadores, the Copa Sudamericana, um, and really any other general comments that we might have on, on what's going on in the world today. Julian, so uh, before we start, I guess, is there one prevailing theme? Like, what is what do you think is the biggest thing going on in the world of football today? Right now, my opinion is um, the tyranny of the coaches. But I don't mean it in the sense that, it's, well, the game of football has become a coach's game now. And I don't know if that's good or bad, but these things, they come in, they come in like, you know, fashions and cycles, right? So I think that this is, and, and I think it's in, in many ways, uh, uh, the, the next two pods are perhaps maybe Many. many of our pods are going to kind of like uh, tease out this theme and, uh, you know, we're going to have debates and discussions and we're going to uh, involve many of our listeners and uh, our group members and uh, hopefully that they have something to contribute because I, I'm actually enjoying this. It seems like uh, slowly but surely we're putting this kind of like patchwork of all of these 
uh, kind of lineages, like, you know, in, in our group, the Bella Hootman group, I've noticed there's been some incredible articles posted on uh, Cholo, uh, Diego Simeone, uh, the Danubian school, uh, questions of Bielsa's style. And, uh, you know, this has a very, very rich, rich history. And uh, I think it's important that we kind of get it out there and we begin to kind of, you know, deconstruct it, as the Pomos would say, you know? So you would say that that is more interesting than the, probably the best TV show uh, available to you right now in terms of soap operas, and that would be the story of what's going on in Manchester. United. Well, yeah, I mean, I think what I'm trying to talk about in many ways, I, I you know, I don't want to kind of be pointing fingers at Mourinho. You know, if we would have had this discussion 10 years ago, I would have been sitting here gloating over this whole thing uh, at Manchester United. But in a way, it kind of bothers me uh, as to what's going on there in the sense of, of being a football fan. You know what I mean? Um, I like Mourinho's style. I like what Mourinho does. I like how he sees the game. I really do. A lot of people probably don't. What I don't like is I don't like Mourinho. <laughs> okay. uh, and uh, I think that he's making you know, this situation uh, really harder for him. And uh, I'm sure we'll get into this as time goes on. Yeah. So I guess what we'll do is we'll jump in. Um, so essentially, when we start talking about each league, we're just going to give you a breakdown of where people are sitting in the standings. And we'll kind of give our thoughts on, you know, where teams, if teams are where they should be, if there are teams that really are faltering, even though we're we're only two months into the season, I think we're definitely getting a good feel of yeah. where teams yeah. are, are going to fit. So um, England is very exciting right now uh, compared to last season, where at this point Manchester City probably could have been crowned champions yeah. already at this point. You could have already seen that they were running away with it. This year, I mean, you know, go ahead, tell us the table. I yeah, mean, so first, second, and third, Manchester City, Chelsea, and Liverpool, all sitting on 20 points, only separated by goal differential. Um, back in their traditional fourth place, Wenger <laughs> Cup, Emirates Cup. Whatever, whatever you want to call it, yeah. Yeah whatever you want to call it, is Arsenal, sitting on 18, 18 points uh, and tied with their North London derby. Uh, rivals. Yeah, yeah, rivals, I guess, would be the best way to put that. Uh, Tottenham also sitting on 18. Very surprise package, I think, for both of us is Burnemouth, and they're, and they're very consistent and they're very attacking uh, this year. So they're sitting in sixth on 16 points. Wolves on 15, which I think a lot of people were expecting them to come up and do very well. Yeah. Uh, Manchester United sitting on 13, uh, Watford uh, also on 13 and 9th, uh, Leicester in 10th, and then to go further down, Everton, Burnley, Brighton, Crystal Palace, which I think we're both kind of disappointed in for where they're sitting there right now. Same with West Ham, although it seems that's probably going to turn around fairly soon. Uh, Southampton in 16th, Fulham just hovering above the relegation zone with Huddersfeld, Newcastle, and Cardiff bringing up the bottom three, each without a win. So yeah, I mean, no big surprises. I mean, okay, Manchester United in eighth, point, in, in eighth place with, uh, with 13 points. Uh, I don't see that lasting much longer. Uh, oh, however, um, they seem to be always on the verge of like entering the, like a real serious crisis. And I think after this international break, they have a really, really tough schedule. I believe they meet Juventus twice. Um, uh, I'm, I'm, 
Everton, I believe, and I think uh, Chelsea, Chelsea of course. Yeah, Chelsea's the first game yeah. back, yeah. So, I mean, you know, it could, you know, they they have the talent to get out of this. They really do. And uh, I think that, you know, um, on relative balance, uh, this league is, is tough, okay? Uh, Manchester City, um, Liverpool, and Chelsea, despite the fact that they're just – flying high, you know, they're going to have to play teams like Wolves. They're going to have to play teams like uh, uh, Everton, who I think is going to do much better. Um, you know, they're going to have to play each other. So they'll be dropping points here and there. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, if United starts to kind of start to string the results together, I think you're going to see a, a very, very, very exciting race for the championship this year. And I think, you know, I, I don't think you're going to see one team run away with it. I, I, look, I've been wrong. I have to say from the beginning, uh, big apologies to all the Chelsea fans out there. I literally thought Chelsea was going to be a mess this year. They look unbelievable. Um, Arsenal, I, 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 I'm not a believer still, but again, I'm, the, 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 the stats proved me wrong. Nine games without a loss. Uh, they, they, and, and they see, and what they're doing is they're winning ugly, like you know what I mean, which is, which is a sign of getting good. Well, and it's, good been, it's been a long time since Arsenal's won games ugly. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, very yeah. So you know, but I mean, like, look, I mean, this league on relative balance. I mean, uh, on any week, you, you could be meeting some really tough competition, not just in the top five or six, but like, you know, Watford, Everton. Uh, Crystal Palace, Leicester. These are teams that are going to give you – these are not easy matches. These are not easy matches, you know. And you, you got to be surprised by even the turnaround by, by West Ham. For me, I don't know about you. Uh, I'll ask you in a second. But for me, the big disappointment right now is Fulham. Um, the only thing I can say is kudos to them for playing still a kind of wide-open football that, that they were playing in, in the championship last year. Um I don't know if they're going to be able to pull it off. Um, I hope they stay up, but from what I see right now, they just they seem to be struggling. Yeah, and I would actually I I'm gonna I'm gonna pick a team because you you've brought up a team that's kind of disappointing right now, and I have to say I'm a little bit more disappointed by Crystal Palace just based yeah. on on the players that are in that team, um, and 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 having a manager that you know despite you know this. Crystal Palace is the level of team that he should be managing. Probably not like a European powerhouse. Yeah, but he has. This, this is a this is a like, Fulham. He, he, he took him to the champion, the, the final, the Europa, the, the Europa Cup. Yeah, and uh, don't forget he coached Inter, uh, and and uh, at Internazionale like, he had an all star team of players. You know, no, he did coach at Liverpool and it didn't go so well though. No, it didn't go very well there. Well, he's 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 a he's a drills kind of guy, right? I don't think he can coach these prima donna type players. I don't think you know these are kind of guys who don't. Like, Mourinho. Well, you know, no, well, in a way, like you know, he needs guys uh, who kind of will do what they're told, hardworking muckers, right? You know, and you know the the the, the Martials and the Pogba's of this world—they don't like doing drills over and over and over and over again, right? That's fair. I mean, I, I just want to go through a few of the things you said. So. Uh, first of all, I was right about Arsenal. Yeah, you we were. Can, we can both sit here. Props and say, there, man. Um, Chelsea, we were. I, I had thought they were going to do a bit better than what you had thought, but I didn't expect them to be this good. Um, and they have the depth. 
because there's every almost the only player you can't take out of this team right now is N'Golo Kante and and Hazard. Like let's be let's be very clear. There are replacements for everybody else. Jorginho has been wonderful, but what a revelation. You can you there are Fabregas could come into that system and still he wouldn't be as good, but he would still he provides a more than suitable backup in that position. Here's a question for you. Is Jorginho the new Xavi? Well, I said this to you the first time we recorded yeah. this podcast. Yeah. Um, can there be any doubt? Well, I mean, like the, the sheer amount of passes, if you read the analytics, it's like ridiculous. Like he has given more passes than some teams combined with other players. But, I mean, you know, here's the thing, right? You know, pass the ball around for 90 minutes, you know, score a goal. I get bored. You know what I mean? I, I, want, they, I want you to they, see, but, but they, they haven't scored. Like, yeah. Eden Hazard himself has more goals than seven teams in the league. Yeah. So they're scoring goals too. And it's interesting. Eden Hazard, he's in, he's with the Belgian national team right now. Right. So And I mean, interviewers asked him if he is the best player in the world. Like, they asked him if he's the best player in the world right now. Now, I don't think there can be a debate on that. Is he one of the most informed players in the world right now? Quite possibly. So, I, listen, i got to ask you. You kept going on um, towards the end of the, the pod uh, when we were doing the end of the World Cup, and you had basically you had pegged Arsenal to do well, and they are doing well. What did you see in them that you kind of kind of set them apart from everybody else? The the types of purchases, and I think uh, Unai Emery was was the right managerial choice to bring in. He, you know, his PSG tenure was not great, but let's face it, at Sevilla, the dude won trophies, big trophies, and consistently too. So I think that was kind of was was kind of my thought. They brought in and and they bought players that that they needed, like bringing Torreira into the midfield was a master to me a masterstroke especially at the price that they paid for him uh he brought in Licksteiner, which which added another kind of voice he's not playing a lot but he really brought in another leadership depth into that team that seems to have just not existed at arsenal for so long so um and and then really uh obama yang and and I have to be honest, I thought he was going to be the one scoring the goals, not Lacazette, but yeah. Lacazette has, has very much surprised me. Um, I know that Arsenal's going to run into an issue with this Ramsey contract. A lot of a lot of big fish are are swimming around trying to trying to poach him because he can be taken on a free in January. Uh, well, he can't leave in January, but teams are free to talk to him at that point, and he can sign a pre-contract agreement wherever he wants to go at that point. So I, I think they'll definitely want to get that contract done. Um, even though Ramsey has, is a very streaky, streaky player, but uh, overall, I've just really been impressed with how the team has been set up. I think there are still issues there defensively, um, but they're fighting for the coach, which is something I don't think we've seen them do for Wenger in years. Yeah, uh, big surprise this year, uh, player-wise or team-wise, whatever. Any, what, what do you find is a big surprise in the league? Uh, well, Burnmouth uh, yeah. is scoring goals at uh, like the only two. There's only so Burnmouth sitting on 16 goals right now. The only teams that have outscored them are Arsenal, Chelsea, and Manchester City. Yeah, but do you really see that lasting much longer? 
No, yeah. no, no, no. But it's, if yeah. but if Burnmouth can turn into a respectable top ten finish compared to where they finished last year, uh, I, that has to be considered a victory. And I've I've always said I actually thought Eddie Howe was going to get the Arsenal job, um, but he's he stayed with the Cherries and and has continued to build a, a fairly strong team. The I guess the West Ham we could say has that, has been a disappointment up until the last three three matches or yeah. last three three fixtures. I mean they went from being a clown show to uh, like a team now that looks like they can climb up the table. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how how the next few weeks play themselves out. Um, yeah, I mean the other thing I wanted to say was uh, the team that's really blowing me away uh, is uh, not even in the premiership, it's in the championship and it's Leeds under Bielsa. And uh, I, I really hope that he doesn't burn them out. Uh, I hope that he can carry this into next year and that they, they see promotion. I would love to see him coach in the premiership and I'd love to see Leeds back in the premiership. Well, and could you imagine Bielsa comes up into the, the premiership next year? Mourinho miraculously doesn't get fired somehow. So you've got Bielsa, Mourinho, Klopp, Pat Hep, Emery, yeah, Pochettino. Like you, sorry, you have like the managerial talent depth. Pellegrini even at West yeah. Ham, like very. You will see, in my opinion. I mean, we haven't seen this kind of managerial talent in the Premiership ever. No, never. I mean, even back in the days when it was just the good old fashioned now, first division and so on and so forth. No. Uh, going through all of those names, no Englishmen, no Scots. Not yet. Not yet. I mean, I, I think that. Uh, I mean, I think that there's something interesting happening in English football, and I think we're going to see the fruits of it come around in about three to five years. A lot of great young players, a lot of interesting young coaches. Look, man, before we close the, the Premiership down, we have to address the elephant in the room. Okay. What the hell is going on at your club? Uh, many things. Many, many terrible. Uh, I wouldn't even say terrible because you know what? Like, uh, this has been a situation that's been ongoing for for a very long time, um, and yeah. uh, I, I I I don't think it can come down just to Mourinho. I think it, it starts. Yeah, it it starts at ownership, and it it's it's made its way all the way down to the players. Um, there are certain players who just don't take playing for the shirt seriously. You're sitting on the side, like if you're not dressed for a cup game, and you're sitting there on Instagram or on any of your other social media, and you're laughing while your team's losing. Like, what are you doing? I mean, you, you, like, yeah, I mean, it seems to be like a mess from top to bottom. Uh, although it also seems like that's something that could be just kind of like consolidated and they can move in the right direction. Like it seems like they're walking the razor's edge. You know what I mean? One, you know, one, one step, one inch, one way, they're a disaster. One step, an inch, the other way, they're not only a contender for the championship, but maybe even a European championship. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a very strange situation. And really, I think it's egos. And it's also like, you know, what do we say, right? A fish rots from its head. You know, uh, and uh, I personally think that this this problem rests with the Glazers, okay, in terms of their ownership. And uh, I just want to say this. I mean, Neville's rant uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, was spot on in my opinion, but 
he's a weasel, okay? Because he might been he might have been right about leveling this criticism at Woodward and the upper management, but you know that he's gunning for a job in the up, in the upper management, and you know he never ever ever blames the Glazers, yeah. okay? Well, and you and I had a really long discussion about this where the ideas the ideals of like american ownership are very focused on making money and revenue and, yeah. and they're not also but there's no dual focus where you look at a club like real madrid you look at juventus you look at even manchester city right now yeah. where they're making money but they're winning at the same time yeah so to me the big problem resting at my club why i'm no fan of the glazers at all is is ed woodward he's made them a lot of money absolutely but he should have no hands-on with uh, the business of football. And I think this was laid very clear. And Mourinho made a point in the game against Newcastle. I, I think by by taking Lindelof out and then playing Pogba and Matic as centre-backs with Chris Smalling, after he had made such a run, like, so he just fussed completely about not having bought a centre-back. Yeah. This was very much, this wasn't a, oh, we're going to try it and see if we win. If we don't, I'll probably get fired. This was, I don't care what the result is. I'm going to show you that I need backup. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. But in the meantime, I hate to say this, but you guys are becoming the new arsenal. Oh, buying young players and never playing them? Yeah, and at the same time, and just never really. But but he did that at... But here's the thing. But just worrying about the bottom line, you know what I mean? Like, we don't care. As long as we get in the Champions League, we don't care if we win the cha- a championship. We just want the, the, the money part. Anyway. Yeah, but let's face it. The last team to win – the last English team to win any type of European championship was who? Manchester United, United. winning the Europa yeah, League. The Europa League. Sorry, yeah. I was going I so, to go back to Liverpool, but you're right. No, you're right. Yeah. Well, no. We won the Champions League twice before, before then, too. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot so, about that. Like – there is still a desire and drive to win. I just don't think it comes from the top. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, I mean, this is something, you know, uh, as the weeks progress and as we become a little bit more consistent and we apologize that we haven't been out here all the time, I'm sure that we'll be having much more, spending a lot more attention on other clubs other than Manchester United. I mean, we could talk so much about what's going on at City, what's going on at Liverpool, although I, I must say that Liverpool looks a little bit wobbly right now. Uh, Chelsea looks amazing. Uh, I still think Tottenham is going to turn things around and make I a dis- strong push. I, I disagree with you. But, yeah, time will tell. And I think that we're going to see other teams in the middle of the pack. Uh, I mean, I'm just, this league on relative strength is very, very strong. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's going to be something uh, incredible to watch over the season. Uh, we're going to move now to uh, Italy and Serie A. And uh, just a recap of the table. <laughs> it's Juventus. Okay, 24 points. And uh, I, I don't even know if I even want to go into the next positions because, uh, you know, we said this at the beginning. And I, I think Juventus is already running away with it. I mean, Napoli is already six points behind. You have Inter, Lazio, Samp, and Roma. I, I, you know, rounding out the top six uh, and they get down to about 14. And then, I mean, these guys are already off the pace. And to be quite honest with you, I don't think that none of these teams, Napoli, Inter, Lazio, Samp, Roma, have what it takes uh, to kind of make a real challenge. They just, there's there's Juventus and then there's the, the, there's the rest of the league. Um, 
Just to go down the table again, you have Fiorentina, Sassuolo, Parma, um, Milan, a 10th. Parma's a surprise at ninth, though. uh, They've been playing just exciting football. They're the revelation right now. Uh, I think a lot of it has to do with uh, the fact that they've basically taken, you know, um, they're not afraid. They're not afraid of of attacking, you know. Um, You also have, uh, you know, you go back down to to the table itself, um, we also have then Genoa, Torino, Cagliari, Spal, another team, Udinese, Bologna, uh, Atalanta, which is kind of sad to see down there, but I think they'll, they'll come back. Uh, you know, um, this, is, this, this is a team that basically was a, a, a real pleasure and a joy to watch last year. But, you know, as usually, they're considered the academy of Italian football. So their players, they, they kind of bring along these great players and then they get bought out. They don't have the great, shall we say, superstructure to stay in the top. And then, of course, Ampoli, Frosinone, and Kievo at minus one. Uh, to be honest with you, Kievo should be actually kicked out of Syria, uh, uh, given their little shenanigans, but we'll, we'll let that aside. I mean, the big story this year for Syria uh, is Ronaldo at Juventus. And, yeah, uh, it makes a difference. Um, I just want to make a small comment about this, um, these charges that are leveled about it. To me, um, if there seems to be paperwork tied, I see. I, I can't get past the fact that there's paperwork. I, I truly believe this man is guilty. Uh, once there is like agreements, it, 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 we're beginning to see that. And uh, if that's the case, uh, I see his his season being a dis- like a, a, maybe not on, on what's the pitch, but I mean we'll see what's going to happen. But I mean this is going to this could potentially turn into an absolute disaster for him and for Juventus. Um, but Juventus, uh, I mean, let's go back to the football matters. Uh, you, Juve we, just looked too strong. When we spoke last time, you spoke about the forward at, at Genoa who's been scoring all the goals. Piatek, yeah. He scored yesterday, by the way. Uh, in, uh, international. In, in, in the international game, again, yeah. He's unbelievable. It's surprising. I don't think people expected it. And he'll be picked off pretty. Uh, pretty there's already rumors of, of, of Barcelona sniffing around. Uh, yeah, the guys who are like the other big surprise to me is uh, Fiorentina. Fiorentina has got a cast of young players, and they seem to be playing very well. Uh, Enrico Chiesa's kid is, is the striker there, and I think that might be the future. Milan uh, seems to kind of been woken in the last three, four matches, although they should be far better than what they are now with the team that they have. But look, those three draws, like you said, you turn one or two, like you, you turn even one or two of those, your three, six more points. And look, at their game, like they've got a game in hand. So if they win, if they beat Genoa, which you've talked about as being a bit of a, not a, not a full-on derby, but a bit of a, yeah, a bit of a rivalry. Well, there is a big derby. That is actually one of the big rivalries in Italy, um, Milan Genoa. I mean, here is it. But they, but I just want to say they win that game. They go on fifteen points, which ties them for fourth, fourth. with Lazio. And say even one of those draws is a win, and they're they're level on points with Napoli in second. Well, listen, for Milan this year, okay, let's be flat out and honest. Um, it'll be a failure if they're not in the Champions League. And uh, and if they don't make the Champions League, they should be. I, I'm not going to say they're a favorite because they're far from it uh, in in the Europa Cup. But they, in my opinion, should be making a serious push for that trophy. Um, we'll see what happens. Which is a route into the Champions League. Yeah, Roma disappointed me. Now, I I, I mean, if you look at the list of players that Roma has lost in the last three years, 
And Liverpool has benefited the best from all of them. Liverpool seems to have gotten them all. But if you look at the list of players that Roma's lost in the last two or three years, it's a scandal. It's an all-star team. But nonetheless, yes, uh, Di Francesco has this core of players, and they got off to a really poor start. They're very young. Too, yeah, right? still. I mean, I think they're much better than what their record is. But, you know, look, when you're in a championship with Juventus, every point matters. And, uh, you know, they, they, you know, the typical Italian style, a lot of teams in the beginning of the year, they just come out and very, 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 you know, Pollyannish. And they're not kind of like giving uh, uh, every, you know, they're not playing for every inch on the pitch. And I think that's, uh, that's a big mistake. Well, for that's Roma. the difference yeah. between Juve and everybody else. Yeah. I mean, that, listen, the, the, the real thing is that's, that's it. I mean, this year, really, if you want to watch, I think that the, the standard of soccer in, in, um, in Italy has gone Was tremendously. It? It's really grown. I think it, it's, it's, it's probably one of the best leagues to watch, not the best league. They're returning. I think they're slowly trying to get back to what they were in the 1990s. But let's face it, um, to, to watch in terms of the table or La Classifica, uh, it's basically to watch from second to sixth place because it's Juventus's championship. And um, yeah, everyone else exists within it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's Juventus's world and everybody else exists within it. Exactly. So just one thing I wanted to bring up before we move on is when we come back from uh, from the international break, um, we're going to be treated to, oh, we should be, yeah, we're going to be treated to the Milan Derby. Yeah, that's going to be a bloodbath, man. <laughs> I think that you did, this is the first time, well, I mean, they always matter, but, you know, uh, this this year it matters just a little bit more, man. And I think I think there is going to be. Uh, I mean, the cast of characters alone: Gattuso coaching Milan, Icardi as a striker at Inter. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I mean, yeah. I mean, just like these characters, you know, there's going to be there's going to be a couple of red cards for sure, in my opinion. But that's what's the most like. That's the best part about a derby, and I think I. I I, I'm sorry to jump back to England on this, but it's and it's something I think that I want us to discuss further at a different time. Is that English derbies are just not as exciting to watch anymore? Well, I, they are and they aren't. I mean, like we're not there, right? I mean, like it's, I mean, okay, we don't when, get when, that experience. Yeah, yeah, we don't get that experience. But like you know, one of the things is, I mean, like you look at these London clubs, okay. It, it's it's got to be hard for a team from London to win the championship. You're playing five or six local derbies, never mind the real derbies that usually yeah. exist. You like, know? I'm just saying, like, I miss watching, like, a Roy Keane versus Patrick Vieira. Yeah, man. Like, the days of that, the days of the football hard man are, are, are pretty much over. We have to talk about this tonight. You know, like, we were talking. We're, we're going to get, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to leave it because we get more into this when we talk in the Bundesliga because we're going to have some questions for. for or maybe we, maybe we should leave it to the end. You know, I mean, talk about uh, your divers and hard men. We'll have to come back to that. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll come back to that. So. That's, that's, uh, that's probably enough. Any, anything you want to say about Serie A this year, other than that, that's taken you by surprise? Not particularly. It's all pretty... Oh, I, I do want to say one thing, and I can't remember his name now. It escapes me. There's a midfielder that plays for Cagliari who's been called up to the national team. Um, went to, um, I can't remember his name. Um, keep an eye out for this kid. Uh, he, I, I think yeah, it's Barella, yeah. Nicolo, Nicolo Barella, a young kid. What, keep your eyes out for this guy because 
he's something special. Uh, he really plays with a certain kind of uh, urgency. And, uh, you know, I don't see him staying at Cagliari, but he, you know, uh, you know, Mancini's have done, I mean, Mancini's done a lot of stupid things with his national team. And, and for those of you who are so Italian. That was, that was something I wanted to ask you before yeah. you leave Syria. Sebastian Giovinco. Okay. We'll get into that in a sec. Uh, I think that's one of the stupid things he's done. And I'll explain that in a second. I, I, I just want to say to all those who cheer for the Italian national team, uh, be prepared for years of uh, frustration and despair, because I don't even think they're going to qualify for this European championship. If, if they keep going at this rate. Okay. I think the issue, and you're probably right, except that qualifying with the new Europa league, well, it's good. We, it's something we have to talk about at some point. Something it, we'll have to yeah. learn about before we talk about yeah, it. Because exactly. it is not something that... I think, I think it's a anybody, smart thing that they did, to be honest with you. Well, you and I have discussed that they needed to change how qualifying works. Yeah, I mean, you can't have Liechtenstein and San Marino in, in, in these qualifying groups with Spain, Croatia, or Germany. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so, I mean, but anyway, to go back to this, Mancini... Calling up Jovinko, all you guys out there who think Jovinko should be on the national team, uh, you're out to lunch, guys. I mean, yeah, I mean, he's an exciting player. He's gifted. He's talented. All the things you say him are right. But you know what? There's no way that this guy can play in a European league anymore. He doesn't have the pace. And to be quite honest with you, I know, it, it, I mean, the reason, in, in, the reason why he's been called up is because essentially there is a dearth of strikers in Italy. Italy does not have very many good homegrown strikers that are mature and experienced, okay? So they call him up. But I would just basically throw caution to the wind, and I would start calling up the young guys, the young guys such as Chiesa, uh, Cutrone, Calabria, these guys are in their like 19, 20, 21. Give them a chance. So no, you know this you, idea that you have to be twenty seven or twenty eight to be you know a good footballer. It's no, ridiculous. No Balotelli then. Oh no no no! I'm sorry. Balotelli uh, deserves to be there, but rumor has it that Balotelli is like overweight and out of shape. So uh, you know, I mean, these these are the reports we're getting even from the French press. So, but like Balotelli in form is one of the top strikers in the world. Right. So, I mean, but, uh, you know, there's these issues that exist there. And Do you think at least based on, even though it is MLS, do you think at least Givinko probably has deserved the opportunity to show what he can do, even in a friendly with the national team at this point? Well, first of all, let me say one thing about friendlies. I think they should get rid of friendlies. And that's why I like this league. Well, this you're, league. Ita yeah. this is, you're Italian. Yeah. And do you... So like typically Italians have a, a very antipathy and, towards yeah, friendlies. Friend yeah, friendlies are bullshit. Okay, uh, but let, let, let's just let's move aside good from for that. letting players in and then tying players to playing for your country so they can't go play for other ones. But this is why you have a qualifying league, so you make games mean something. Um, Jovinko, I mean, just let me say this. I mean, no, he doesn't. Like, this is the MLS, guys. I mean, I love the MLS. I enjoy it. I watch it. I'm a big fan of it. I love following the teams. But this league is n not in the realm of the European leagues, okay? And, I mean, just take a look at the impact that Wayne Rooney has had, for example, on DC United. Wayne Rooney would have trouble getting into the first team, maybe in a championship team, okay? And uh, over there, well, you know, he say, changes would, the I, complexion of a team. Uh, I would say that the MLS is on par with Scotland at 
this point. Like, I'm, I'm, hey, man, be careful there. Scottish League has really taken a leap forward in the last two or three years. Yeah, but they've also it's, – it's strange because MLS has – more like we know that at the end of the day that the almighty dollar is much more powerful in that seventh division teams in England right now can outspend Scottish teams. Yeah, that's right. So that's where the weakness of the Scottish league comes in. Uh, and I actually, if, if Brexit, if the almighty Brexit figures out how it's going to be processed, uh, Scotland, Scottish football in general is going to be hampered by that even more. Well, we'll we'll have to see, man. We'll just have to see. That that's it. And and we'll we'll come up with a few of these discussions when when we get to uh, the MLS. Yeah. Let's move to Spain. Okay. So moving on to Spain, uh, and I think for the first time that I can ever remember, we have a competitive top of the table. Yeah. And well. Yeah. There's there's reasons. But continue. Well, and something we actually haven't mentioned, but what, what I'll do is I'll go through the table and I'm going to give you my reasoning and then you can you can give me what you think. So at the top of the table, uh, Sevilla on 16 points, uh, Barca, Atletico, second, third on 15, Real, uh, who has not scored a goal in four Ooh, games. And there is only one team in all of Europe that has a longer goal drought than Real Madrid right now. Do you know who that is? That's a team in France, I think Dijon. Yeah, yeah, you got yeah, it. Four hundred. Yeah. So Madrid is on four hundred and nine minutes right now. Dijon's on four hundred and thirty-nine minutes. Yeah, we got. This is this, this is a topic. It's fun. Yeah, I mean, how can you not? I'm, be enjoying, I'm enjoying this. this. Right I'm now. totally enjoying this. But, 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 I, yeah, we'll I see. Just, uh, tied with Real Madrid on points, uh, Espanyol, which is a bit of a surprise package uh, coming in this year. And then the very big surprise package, who just beat Real Madrid 1-0 uh, with a goal scored by a Madridista, is Alaves in sixth. Uh, going further down the table, we have Valladolid, Real Betis, Real Sociedad, uh, Celta Vigo in tenth. Uh, then we have Levante, Ibar, uh, Hitafe, Valencia, Girona, Villarreal. Uh, a little bit disappointed to see Bilbao so low in the table. Uh, then uh, in the relegation positions, Leganes, Rayo Vallecano, and, and in last place, Huesca. Something we haven't talked about that might be creating this parody, it's a year after World Cup. Yeah. And we haven't, that's actually something we haven't really discussed, is that this these years typically end up having a weird winner. Yeah, because usually the big, it hits the big clubs the hardest because the big clubs usually players come in tired. Yeah. And you know that could also be a factor too that's going on with with Man United, you know. But I mean, yeah. I well, mean, Pogba admitted to yeah. like just not wanting to play. He's already won the World Cup. Did, did that happens? You know, uh, Ronaldinho is yeah. I think the greatest example of that. Well, well you know, well, he I, won a lot more stuff. In but. Italy, the thing used to be after in Italy, yeah, right up in the all throughout the nineties and early two thousands, was that if you were a player that usually was on a World Cup squad and you won, the thing was to do was to sell him immediately. Because they would figure that the drive was gone and you can actually cash in, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I have to kind of agree with that. Um, but, I mean, before you get any further on this Real Madrid and the top, there's also a thing, you know, and if you listen to uh, um, the Spanish football pod uh, with Phil um, uh, Sidlo and Phil Killer, Hiltomides, I can't, I can't remember his last name. I got it here. Uh, I'll, I'll call it back up in a second. Um, they basically said that there was a lot of money. Uh, oh, yeah, Kitro Milides. Okay, 
Uh, they said that, you know, for the first time in a long time, a lot of money has uh, been uh, coughed up uh, throughout the Spanish league. Uh, a lot of teams have made a lot of extra money because of the kind of licensing and uh, profitability that Barca and Real Madrid and Atletico have brought back. to. The, and with that money, they've kind of spread it throughout. And uh, the Spanish teams have made some really smart purchases and uh, I've also, you know, kind of modernized their academies and you're seeing these clubs actually, you know, reap the benefits of that. So, you know, this is could, could account, but I mean, come on, man, let's be honest. In about six weeks, we're going to see the same cast of characters at the top. Well, I think you're seeing relatively the same cast of characters. Sevilla, I think we need to give more credit yeah. to, but... Um, I'm not so sure it's going to be as like as cut and dry as you think. Like I think, yeah, obviously at the end of the day, are Barca, Atletico, and Real going to be competing for the championship? Of course, like we don't expect anything less. Espanol, Alves will will inevitably drop. Well, we could be wrong. Um, like, history has proven us wrong many times before, but. You're right. It will be the same cast of characters battling it out, but none of those teams are going to like. Not a single one of those teams is going to pull away from the rest of them. Well, like, look, man. Let's, I, let's let's start at we'll start at Barca. Barca. Yeah. You, you, well, we us start from the top. Let's start with Sevilla. Okay. Might as well give them. Let's give them their yeah, due. No real standout players, but playing very well Silva. as a team. Andre Silva. Well, and, and you're mostly disappointed. I am brokenhearted by this. This kid is going to be a superstar, okay? I mean, and and Milan, we basically took a big dump on his head. And uh, he's now out, and he's got, what, like seven or eight goals in, in the league? Seven goals in the yeah, league. Yeah. But then you look at the assists table too, right, with Jesus Neves and Pablo Sarabia. Yeah, I mean, so the, the team is playing really, really well. Uh, and they're talented. They're top 11. Am I out of bounds by saying that their top 11 can compete with the top 11 at Real and uh, Barca and Atletico? I wouldn't go that far. Well, there you go. So I don't think they're going to be holding down first spot for a long time. That being said, I think across, like you look at the team, like in the midfield especially, if you don't think Benega can shut down. Well, he's a superstar. Like they, they have a very good cohesive team unit which is something that we normally see just from like an atletico who although Griezmann might think he's in the same world classification of like one of the greatest players in the world i know this is going to really disappoint uh, at least one person who has participated <laughs> in this podcast but he's Griezmann is not no Griezmann is great at, at atletico can Griezmann be great somewhere else i mean he did he did play well in the world cup yep I'll give him they, that. They, but they, but they also say the same of Messi. Could he? Have, what, what is it they always say about Messi? Why he doesn't go and play somewhere else? Could he do it on a cold, rainy night in Stoke? Well, maybe. I think he can. I don't. Yeah. I mean, Messi. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Messi and Griezmann. I mean, there's a gulf there. Okay. Uh, I mean, but let's, let's let's go back. I mean, on their top eleven, uh, they're good. Sevilla, uh, but they're not good enough to kind of compete. Okay. Go to Barcelona. Um, I want to say this off the bat. Messi and everybody else. Yeah, the team, uh, you take Messi out of this equation, Barcelona's got some serious problems. Okay, now, I mean, okay. 
you take Messi at any team and they got problems, okay? But here's the thing about this, right? That team, uh, a lot of players dropped off. I mean, you can see a real decline in Piquet. Uh, Busquets, still top of his game, but he's not Busquets of five years ago, okay? That's fair. Uh, there's a Coutinho has not reached the level yet. Yeah, he is. He hasn't gone to where he should be. Dembele, I've never seen a guy give up the ball more often than a guy like him. The only other guy I know that seems to lose the ball more than him is Sanchez uh, at at Manchester United. Um, but I mean, like, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, is Artur the new uh, Xavi within the team? Let's wait and see. Uh, they've got a great squad, but uh, I, uh, th- there's something that's not. They're not playing well. Something's not right. Yeah, they're not playing well. And, I mean, it's early in the season, but, you know, in this league, you know. Uh, Credit where credit's due, though. Rakitic has well, continued he, his form from the World Cup. And I don't understand why, uh, why, why they're letting Vidal rot on the bench. Well, Vidal seems to have been a bit of a problem. Yeah. He doesn't respect everybody. He, he has this idea that he seems to be better than everybody else. Well, he kind of is. But, yeah, but I know what you're saying. But, but And you and I have debated this for a very long time. It's like, if if Vidal deserves to start, who do you take out of the out of a midfield three? Because they play a 4-3-3 variation. Who do you take out? Well, I mean, I don't know if it's a matter of taking somebody out, but, but rather rotating. I mean, you know, and I and why not rotate? I mean, Sergio Busquets and Vidal cannot play a full season either. So no, they're why, both old. They're both yeah, why not? And they both play that same position. Yeah. Why not? Why not rotate them? You know, and uh, start you know this way because you know as the season gets longer. But man, let's be honest; these guys got some real problems in defense. Pique is gone. Suarez, sorry. Well, let me stay on the defense. Umiti, yeah. what's the big deal here, man? I mean, am I missing something here? Well, he did just—he he did win a World Cup. Yeah, but was he was he instrumental? I, I don't think so. France, I mean, France didn't allow. Well, that was a team thing, you know, rather than an individual. Well, thing. well, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, I could play center back behind Golo Conte, and we would not have goals. Exactly, exactly. exactly. But I mean, um, so I mean, but I don't see the big deal. And I mean, I, I think that they got some serious problems in defense, and I think they know that too. And I think uh, that's it. And and on the forward attacking lines. Yeah, man, I, I think Luis Suarez should start thinking about going back to play for Nacional in Uruguay, okay? <laughs> uh, Him and Messi are neighbors, eh? I think yeah, maybe, yeah. I think maybe it's like, yeah, we're family. Now. Yeah, yeah, like, but he's he's he's, uh, he's really lost the step, and that's kind of sad, too, because I like Luisito. I, um, think, I think we would both, yeah. even as a Manchester United fan, I, I, uh, dis- I, I, I disagree with how he was treated during the whole Evra yeah, yeah, we can we can go we can go on for days about this, but let's, you know. let's face it, like Luis Suarez villainized John Terry, now assistant manager at Aston Villa. Bingo. So yeah, there's there's your there's your answer right there. Before we before we, like yeah, I mean I I really don't have much more to say about Barcelona other than you know, you know these, these things are cyclical, right? And they are in the beginning of, of the end. Of the end. And I don't see them, you know, bringing them players up through the youth system. La Masia is kind of gone, and they need they need to bring something back. They just can't buy buy championships. I would I would disagree with you a little bit, just based on following La Masia. It's not what it was. Yeah. Like, and I think that comes down to um, 
a lot of other teams have really developed their academies and La Masia is maybe not the not seen as that like best place to be now so I think maybe that's kind of where the issue comes from um, but there are a lot of good players still going going through that academy um, that have made it into the first team Carl Zelena who's out right now um, looks to be an absolute superstar in the midfield but this is Barcelona what are they doing producing more midfielders yeah so I mean, um, let's let's just skip ahead here, and really let's only discuss the two Madrid clubs because I mean I don't see anything else really of any. I mean Valencia has been a bit of a disappointment, but I don't see any, any other team. Betis has been playing really good, but you know it's eight games in, eight matches in, and we've got to go. But let's talk about Atlético. Um, this is Atlético's year, man. If there's a year for Atlético to win the Spanish La Liga, this is the year. Okay, uh, Barcelona's lost a step. Real Madrid seems to be. And we'll talk about this in about five minutes. Seems to be entering a period of crisis for real. And uh, Atletico seems to be the only team, in my opinion, with real stability. I mean, yeah, they got off to a slow start, but if you look, they've only really lost one match. They've tied three. They've won four, and they 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 look like the same Atletico. You know what I mean? And this is a team that just won the, the Europa Championship. You know what I mean? And uh, they're ready to go. Yeah. You know. I really don't have much to say about them. Like Cholo has them playing the exact same way that we expected. They look strong, and and they're they're deep. Uh, I have. I just want to say I have an extraordinarily. I mean, I always loved Cholo and Cholismo. It. I loved the guy, uh, but after Federico Fuentes and uh, the Bella Hutman's curse on Facebook, after he posted that article on Cholismo, my respect for uh, Simeone has gone through the ceiling. And in many ways, I think I'm going to be cheering for them this year. You know what I mean? Um, well, you're definitely not going to be cheering for the next club that we're talking about. Yeah. Although, <laughs> God, it has been fun watching this. Uh, and I know there are a lot of, there, there, there are definitely listeners out there who are Madridistas. Um, sorry, you picked that club. That's, that's like... Okay, uh, many of you weren't born into that, so you picked it. So that's your problem. And yeah, I have two questions for you. Okay, um, number one, do you think they're going to stay like this for long? If they do, Lotharie's fired. Well, that's my second question. So don't you're getting ahead of me? But focus on what they have in the squad right now. I don't know how they're not scoring goals right now. Okay, because uh, unlike Barcelona. I actually think that Real Madrid has done a very good job of bringing in young players into the team that will be there for a very long time. And they're good, man. I mean, like Isco, Bahrain, uh, um, uh, Asensio. Uh, this is this is they've got some real good well, young Casa, players. Casemiro. Yeah, they, yeah. They are they are good enough. Yeah, that, I mean, the, okay, this 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 departure of Ronaldo is left a void, but I mean, I think eventually they'll come they'll come around. I mean, they do. Now, the second question is. Well, I want to add to that before. Okay. Um, and I, I I still think Modric is very disappointed that he didn't move to Inter. Yeah. And I think there might be some discord happening there. Um, I also think Tony Cruz is reaching a point in his career, even though he's still very young. I still. I just don't think he has the legs to to do the job that Loftigui is asking of him. So it might be time to go back to Germany. Loftigui. Let me point this out. They play Levante after the break. Levante is 
not Levante of the old, okay? Yeah, they're in 11th place, but they're definitely, if you look at their record, they've got three wins, one one draw and four losses. Levante uh, is is like one is a team that is interesting in the sense that they can play. So then they've got Pilsen in the Champions League. Okay. That should be easy. Then the Super Classico. So forget forget the Champions League because look at La Liga. Okay, they lose to Levante or they try to they draw to Levante. Okay, I think he's gone. Okay, because. Uh, like that's, and I know it's kind of premature. So like they try to bring Zidane back. Yeah, I don't know. And, and like you look at, you look at the, the, the you know, the, the whole soap opera. Conte goes yeah. to the, the whole soap opera. The, yeah, well, this is the rumor, right? Eh? The rumor is that Conte is on is their their speed dial is basically. If you're reading to the in in uh, the Spanish press, that rumor has it that Conte is going to be basically the caretaker. But before we get to this, I mean, everybody's talking about Mourinho's issues. Okay. Our man in Madrid has got some serious problems here. Yeah. Uh, but he loses one of these two matches. He could be gone. I would even say a draw in the Champions League, and we're gonna get we'll get into that after. But yeah. like Real Madrid is in a very precarious position, even in their Champions League group, group right now. So uh, issues all around. Uh, Locked. We might actually be fired before Mourinho is. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm serious when I say this. Uh, the only way I think he can escape with his job is if he wins. They, they, they gave Levante a beating. They give Pizan a beating. And at the minimum, they draw with uh, in the Super Classico. Okay. So, you know. And it's it's at Barca. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that, that Super Classico, I mean, all Super Classicos have some serious significance, but this one is going to carry a hell of a lot more weight than usual. Um, so, moving on, we'll move on to the Bundesliga. Julie, yeah. Give us some uh, some more exciting news. Well, about I mean, again, I mean it's, it's, to me, it's great because, you know, like we said, it's that it's that World Cup. It's the year after the World Cup, and we're looking at the big teams, except for Juventus, of course, because they're a criminal organization and they buy everybody. Uh, but, um, again, Bayern is, uh, is in sixth place. Uh, usually this tournament is also Bayern and then maybe Dortmund and everybody else. But this time you've got Dortmund and uh, you've got Red Bull Leipzig, which... Rosin Ballsport Leipzig. Yeah. Well, whatever, please. Red Bull. I mean, look, man, if you're cheering for any Red Bull team out there, um, don't listen to this pod anymore, okay? Because we don't want you here, okay? Red Bull organization represents everything that is wrong with professional sports and them taking over these these teams the way they do. Well, so, I mean, they got Dortmund in first place with 17. I think it's deserved. They're, they seem to be playing some really, really exciting football. Haven't lost yet. Yeah. A lot of young players, probably one of the best young English players in the world right now, and Jaden Sancho. Yeah. I think he's leading all of Europe in and, assists. And, and he's not alone anymore. He's like a he's like a full Dortmund player he now. He's so purchased, this, and yeah. teams in England are already trying to yeah. sign him. So I mean, this is a good thing. Uh, Leipzig in second with fourteen. My favorite German squad, Borussia Mönchengladbach, is is in third place with uh, with fourteen points. I hope they stay there, but I don't see them staying that long. Then you got Vader. Fourth, Hertha fifth. Hertha has been playing some very interesting football. Then you have Bayern at, at, at sixth place with 13 points. So they're four off the mark. I mean, they can overcome this. I mean, it's a long season. Uh, then Eintracht Frankfurt, Mainz, Wolfsburg, Augsburg, Freiburg. 
Nuremberg. And uh, the only other thing, I mean, I'm not even going to go through the rest of them. The only thing that's kind of like uh, surprising is that you got Schalke in 15th out of out of 18 teams. We have Dortmund listeners, so they must really be enjoying. Yeah, that. I totally. I totally enjoy that. I, I even enjoy that. You know, I, I'm not, I, I I really despise Schalke. But um, I mean, the only thing to be said about this league is um, Bayern is getting old. Very old. Yeah, um, and uh, I think this is what's happening. I think that this is starting the, to show. The, the, the best part is, you know, so we talked about hard men before. Now let's get into one of our, I think, agreed most hated footballers all time, hands down. And that, uh, and, and, and probably if Byron keeps on this track, it'll be the player that Alfonso Davies replaces when he moves to Byron in January. Yeah, and man. that would be Iron Robbins. So you have a, you have a, you have a, I mean, uh, I have a dream. Yeah, there's, I, I, there's I, a dream that you dream on yeah. certain nights. Yeah, I hate, I hate Iron Robin. Okay, I despise him, and I don't think he's as good as people say. He can run, and he can dribble. Tell us about your dream. I think he's the greatest diver I have ever seen in football, and I lived through Jurgen Klinsmann. Okay, and if you don't think Klinsmann's a diver, I, uh, I ask all of you to take a look at the highlight of the 1990 World Cup final of Italia 1990, and take a look at the dive that he gets to get awarded a penalty against Argentina, and you'll see what I'm talking about. I even say he's worse than Neymar. Um, and I would even go so far as saying that that, uh, uh, that Robin is. But my dream is to be a professional footballer for 20 minutes and to be played uh, against against Bayern Munich, and in 20 minutes I would end Iron Robin's career. Okay, that's all. I mean, I would go studs up, waist high. Okay, that's that's that that's how I would do it. Okay. There's a there's another funny story about Iron Robin. Uh, well, it's not really funny. Well, it's, it's a great very story. Disappointing for yeah. the Mexicans, um, where he just where where he did dive to win the penalty that that put the Dutch through in the in the World Cup back in 2014. And that Mexican team, in my opinion, could have made the semifinals. They were very good, and they would have avoided Brazil, yeah. which seems to be their bogey team. Yeah. So they go they go through there that dive. So there's this there's a there's someone on Twitter who has been tweeting at FIFA, the Mexican FA, and the Dutch FA since that game, and he does it every single day, and he tweets no eras penal, no eras penal, yeah. So. I I I've followed for like, like six years now, right? Like yeah, every day for like six years he's tweeted since that World Cup. Yeah, he's tweeted to the every Jeff single day. day. Yeah, I love this guy. We gotta we gotta try to find a way to get this guy on the show at some point, man. I think that would be yeah, that yeah. would be awesome. Yeah, we can all talk about our genuine hatred for Dutch for Iron Robin and Dutch football. Although I I'm sorry, all you Dutch fans, I just. Uh, I I don't like the way they, they 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 carry themselves. They've always had a certain arrogance. Nigel De Young. Yeah, Johan Cruyff, a great footballer, but maybe the most arrogant guy ever. Well, no, that that title goes to one person and one person only, and it's somebody who speaks about themselves in the first person. That's Zlatan Ibrahimovic. There's there's Ibrahimovic's ego, and then there's everybody yeah. else's. Yeah, but wait, wait a minute. Here's the thing. We're going divers. Yes. Well, we're going to talk about this towards the end of. Yeah, yeah. And we'll talk about this at the end of the podcast. Um, because we do, we want to hear from you. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, do you have anything else that you that you really? Yeah, want there's to get one into thing here? I did want to say about the league, and and uh, one of the reasons apparently why Bayern is uh, where they are. Uh, Rafa Hanstein, uh, who's a very, very uh, well-respected football journalist, and probably 
smartest guy with respect to German football right now, has said that uh, there is a kind of a bunch of new, um, a new bunch of guys who, who've uh, come up in terms of management that are, they're younger and they're better than, it's Kovac, right? That's his name. Yeah. yeah. Much better uh, than, than he is. And, uh, you know, that this is finally showing and it's revealing itself. So, I mean, maybe this is what we're seeing here. You know, we're seeing the rebirth of yeah, German football. Yeah. No more Bayern and much more, you know, equity distributed along the league. That's perfect. Okay. Uh, we're going to take a short break. When we return, we're going to go into France, Portugal, and the rest of the world. We'll be right back. And we are back. We're going to start with Liga. Julian, you want to take us through the uh, the <laughs> not surprising standings of Liga? Liga, um, well, again, PSG, nine wins, no losses. Uh, Lille, second place. Marseille, third. Montpellier, fourth. Saint-Étienne, fifth. Lyon, sixth. And then it's pretty much, uh, uh, I mean, there's not even a point going through it. I mean, uh, uh, the only thing I, the only two things I want to say, okay, uh, is, um, um, the first thing I want to say is that, um, you, I think that there is a tremendous amount of extraordinary players that are coming up through the French league that you've got to keep an eye out. I mean, the young talent that's going to be coming out of France over the next 10 years is going to be unbelievable. I think, uh, uh, them and Portugal, as we'll be talking, are the new football factories of, of the world. Although England has been winning a lot of yeah, those youth championships. But we say that with caution, caution, right? Because Don't use the term golden generation. Because, yeah, I mean, uh, they, they could be coming with those. Um, the other thing I was going to say is uh, the other day on the Guardian podcast, they were talking about analytics and they were talking about the amount of passes that uh, Mbappe and Neymar give to each other. And uh, they hardly pass, do not pass the ball at all to Cavani. Like literally two times in the game against Red Star Belgrade, the two of them passed to him. All the passes and the analytics have been among themselves. So this is going to be interesting to see what's going to happen. We know that there's been tension there for a long time. And I think we're going to see some kind of power struggle. And it would be interesting because I think, I think that... This could be Cavani's last year at, at PSG. Well, and, and there's always been that power struggle for yeah. Cavani at PSG yeah. versus Ibrahimovic and now with Neymar. And Which is so, it's crazy because Cavani is world class. I mean, uh, any team would die to have him. Could you see him replacing his his national team compatriot at Barcelona? Um, yes, but the rumor is uh, he's coming to you guys. Uh, rumor has it that he may be coming to you guys. Uh, that rumor has existed for years yeah, before so, the PSG, right? So, I mean, I, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I, I honestly think he should go back to Italy. Well, I mean, but who's, who's going to play with Juventus? <laughs> probably the only team who could afford him, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, mean I, don't, I don't know where he'll, he'll be, go. He'd be a great replacement. You know where he would be a great replacement at? Because they have a striker that doesn't score goals but is a great hold-up player. And another striker who just doesn't score score goals, Chelsea. Yes, I agree. Uh, which which could always be the case. Um, I will just say this: Edinson, come to Milan. Uh, uh, 
somebody take Kiko Ayin away from us. That, yeah, that caretake. That. Yeah. Even though he's even though he's playing really well for us, uh, I, I would rather have Cavani there than Kiko uh, The only other thing I mean that's worth noting here is uh, Monaco, uh, and they fired Jadim, uh, who is going to be a free agent, and be interesting to see where he ends up uh, as 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 a coach, uh, particularly if uh, there's going to be trouble at. At uh, Manchester United and Real Madrid, and Real Madrid right? I mean, uh, you know, this is a quality coach. Uh, sooner or later, somebody was going to scoop Even him up. Even Bayern Munich, for that matter, uh, right now. Yeah, well, not having a lot of luck. Yeah, and we know that how finicky these organizations can be with their coaches. I mean, do you anything you really want to add here about the French league? It's interesting you brought that stat up between Neymar and Mbappe because if you look at the the four goals that. That Mbappe scored. Yes, most I think all four of them were actually from Neymar. Neymar, not, yeah. at least three of them. Um, but there was a there was a picture that came out at the end of that game, and Neymar has moved from it seems one check. Like Neymar is not going to win the Ballon d'Or by the looks of it ever, because he just seems to be overshadowed. No matter where he goes, there's just someone there that is just better than he is. I hate to say this, but I gotta say it. He's just so easy to hate. Okay. I mean, he's a talent of extraordinary proportions, but he's just so easy to hate. I, I think I dislike him more than I dislike Ronaldo. You know, these guys, uh, a good friend of mine, she says, uh, uh, Ronaldo and Neymar need good press secretaries or good PR people. You know, I think that they, they could stand to use somebody to tell them, here's how you don't be an asshole. You know what I mean? I think that's I think that's pretty, pretty fair. And yeah. I think Neymar, Neymar takes a lot from and, and you pick Ronaldo, but I'm going to pick a, a Brazilian compatriot of his in Danny Alves. <laughs> so I think another shithouser. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you enjoy enjoy that. But PSG obviously looks good. They've probably already wrapped the league up at this point. Yeah. And, but. Again, for them, much like Manchester City, this season was about the Champions League. And there's a chance they also do not get out mm-hmm. of the group. And we'll, we'll get into that afterwards when we, when we start talking about the Champions League. We're going to move to the Primera in Portugal. Julian, I'm going to get you to do the standings as well. Mostly because some of these teams, I cannot pronounce the names properly. And well, we have learned that. But, I mean, the only thing is, is I mean, the, the top five, I mean, there's the three powerhouses, but they're kind of spread within the top five. Again, it's kind of early. I think in time uh, we will see, uh, you know, Benfica, Porto, and uh, Sporting, uh, the usual cast of characters. Although Braga is, uh, you know, from, from all reports, Braga looks really good. Um, you know, I got a soft spot for Benfica. I always, I've always been a fan. I've always been a fan from the time I was a kid. They're one of the story clubs. Uh, uh, you'll hear from, you'll hear about Benfica a little bit uh, in a, in another podcast. Yeah, uh, we'll for sure. Shortly. Uh, and I and I, and I do believe that uh, I, I would just like to see them break through uh, in, in Europe. I don't necessarily think they got it, but you know, it's amazing. Uh, Portugal just seems to be. A football factory right now, not just in terms of players, but also coaches. Uh, and uh, yeah, Nuno Espirito. Yeah, at uh, at Wolves. Yeah, Neves yeah. as a player over there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Wolves is effectively like a Portuguese Jeez. team. Yeah. Um, and you look at uh, what's the the manager at Everton is also Portuguese. You know. Yeah, he's came from Watford, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, I can't remember his name now. Um, 
there is also I mean, there's grandpa there's uh, Mourinho right I mean the, right now I mean in, in many ways uh, the pinnacle of Portuguese football but uh, I mean I I, I mean I, I don't want to get into it but I mean a lot of these teams uh, they're I mean I really wish we would be able to watch a lot more of this league because I think when you watch teams like uh, Setubal and Belenenses, uh, they when they play each other, there's always uh, I mean these are the places you got to look for for the next rising stars. You know what I mean? And they're there, right? And uh, I, I think that but typically I, you know, they go to Sporting Porto Benfica yeah. first, and then they make their way to. Europe. I mean, I, I want to say I'm really glad to see Renato Sanchez get get uh, a new a new uh, uh, shot at uh, his football career back in Bayern. I, I don't think he should have left Benfica. I think he left way too early. Uh, but uh, this is the kind of players they're going to be producing. You know, Silva, uh, Sanchez. Uh, there, there, there is a tremendous amount of talent coming out of Portugal. Yeah, uh, I think that's fair. Uh, moving on to the Champions League, we'll do a quick run through of all of the uh, yeah. all of the groups. Don't make promises you can't keep, Steve. Yeah, <laughs> obviously we say quick, and then we end up going on for a really long time. Group A, pretty straightforward. I don't think there's any surprises there. Dortmund and Atleti leading. Yeah. Monaco. Uh, is, I, I just think uh, this what a mess. Yeah, they're they're a mess. When they're, you have, there's a young Italian. Is he? I think he's Italian. Yeah, yeah. Striker there, Pietro Pellegrini. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And but like they are, they seem they seem to be a machine in terms of producing they've players. They've sold so many players, but they've got so much money, and it's unbelievable. I mean, it just seems like you know there is an interesting football tradition. I mean, uh, rumor has it that uh, Thierry Henry is going to be taking them over, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, but in that group, I I, I don't I I mean it's 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 Dortmund Atletico going through. Okay, uh, Group B, we've got uh, this. This seems like a group of death here: Barcelona, Inter, Tottenham, uh, PSV. On paper, group of death. But how how things are working out right now, not so much. Well, I mean, there's still four, but, like four matches. Said, inter, inter, inter is Inter. Yeah, I mean, they, it was amazing. They played really well against Tottenham, and uh, they, they, it wasn't a matter of luck. They actually they actually really put in a great performance. Uh, there's still four matches left. You know, I just want to see this rule. To be honest with you, before of this third place team being catapulted into the Europa League, abolished. I mean, this is kind of stupid. This keeps, you know, this keeps rich teams richer. And uh, I and I know we talked about this uh, in in the previous pod that didn't make it, but I'm glad that they're coming up with a kind of like a cup winners cup. Uh, I, I think we're going to start seeing small clubs again. You know, clubs that nobody knows about. Right? As long as those te- those clubs, maybe not so much yeah. in England or Spain or. or but Italy. we see a team from Belgium or uh, the Netherlands. Uh, Although there are. T- yeah. I'm not sure if you read about this, but there are some very big problems going on in Belgium right now in Ooh. terms of match fixing where Bruges. All the clubs, like, yeah. All the yeah, clubs, their offices were raided. Yeah. yeah and there was, yeah. There I, are some big problems. But Eastern European clubs could be the teams that make the break through, like a Shakhtar, Donetsk or something. Yeah. You know? Or God forbid, partisan or Red Star Belgrade or something like that. You know, would be fantastic. Yeah. Uh, moving on to Group C, uh, which I think is. Is the literal group of death. That's unbelievable. Napoli, Napoli on four points, Liverpool and PSG both on three points, and Red Star Belgrade, who at home will cause troubles for for these teams. There was an article that came out today, actually, about uh, 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 allegations of, of match fixing between Red Star and PSG and the six six nil victory. Six one. Yeah, six so, one. Sorry, so, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Um, man, just uh, I mean, that'll be an interesting note. Um, 
Wow, I mean, this is gonna this is gonna go down to the wire. A gold, I could see gold differential yeah, playing. Yeah, this is gonna this here. is gonna go down to the wire. I I could see PSG not making it out, you know. Uh, but well, that's yet to be seen. Group D, um, pretty straightforward again. Uh, I don't see uh, Galatasaray or Lok Moscow uh, going any further. Uh, I think I, I, I think even though Schalke is playing poor in the league, I, I think that they'll keep that they'll maintain their form. Galatasaray does have a team though, so I would I would count them out at your peril. Okay, fair. Um, uh, I just see on relative strength, I can see Schalke and Porto going through on this one. That's um, fair. Yeah. Uh, group E, which I think is wow, is, is very surprising. Um, Ajax and Bayern both tied on four points, with Benfica only uh, behind on three points. Um, and again, another chance that a European powerhouse. Not to say that you know Benfica and Ajax are not European house, powerhouses, because they got tradition, very traditional histories, yeah. very rich histories. But Bayern could be in a lot of trouble in this group. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, the, the next match here is going to be uh, is going to be pivotal. Um, and uh, you know, uh, you know, these small teams when there's when there's blood in the water, right? You got to watch out for these teams like Ajax uh, from Greece and so on and so forth. I mean, they, they, all they need to do is get a draw. Um, group F. I mean, uh, Manchester City off to a slow start. Um, and that kind of stirs things up. But, you know, again, four matches, I, I can see them winning the next four matches very easily, even though Shakhtar Donetsk uh, beat them last year, and they always seem to come up with a surprise. And we talk about Portuguese football, and uh, we see it, again, the stamp on, on Shakhtar. Um, and Brazil, yeah. Yeah, and Brazilian, Brazilian yeah. football, yeah. And uh, Hoffen, Ho- Hoffenheim, uh, yeah, not this year. Uh, Lyon? They look weak in the French league, but they played very well in in this. So I mean, I I, I I'm still they've, I'm, they've 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 been traditional like over the last I would say five ten years they have been traditional slow starters in the yeah. French league and really turn it on later on. When when they play Donetsk and Lyon play um, after that match, I think uh, we'll get a better clear or a clearer picture as to what's going on. But I, I think City's walking out yeah, of that. I think that's fair. Group G uh, also some surprising. Uh, some surprising totals. Cheska to top uh, Real Madrid and Roma tied on points. Uh, I see Roma Real Madrid getting out of this. Um, I don't see Real Madrid's crisis extending so far into the th- into the future that uh, they they suffer. Their next two matches are again are against Plitzen. Uh So. I, well, I think they're going to lay a beating on them. Something you and I have talked about has a has a former champion ever not made it out of the. I don't know this. Stage. I, I, we have to look this up. Yeah. So if anybody knows, please yeah. please tell us. Tell us for sure. That's something they said we're not aware of. Pilsen. Yeah. Pilsen. You know, yeah. yeah. Uh, and lastly, Group H. Oh wow, Juve is leading another table. Yeah, uh, this is going to be interesting to see. I mean, again, I, I'm going to I'm going to put my money on Juventus, Man United, but the next two matches is going to be between the two of two, them are going uh, to make the determination. Juve, Man, Man United. Now you know you know Mourinho uh, is fighting for his life, so uh, we're going to see something very interesting go on. Manchester United does have a history against Juve. Yeah, and uh, but Juve uh, has a bit of a history yeah, against. Against yeah, yeah. United as well. Yeah. Juve, Juve is in a really good position to put the sword to United, and uh, I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, it's gonna, these are going to be good matches to watch, you know. But uh, any, um, any, I think. Look, when it comes down to the final four, uh, I'll be honest with you. I'm getting kind of bored with the Champions League. 
Um, I don't, I, I don't really start to get really excited about it until we get to the, about the quarterfinals. And unfortunately, when we get to the quarterfinals, it's usually the, the same cast of characters. Usually, there's one or two teams that can yeah. kind of sneak through. Like I would say, Roma was a very much like last year. Roma was very much a surprise outfit making it to the semifinals. And like, I uh, really wish that they would have ca- capitalized on this with the money that they got. And they seem to, they seem to have gotten off to a bad start. But you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I get, I, you know, like any any predictions as to who's going to win this year? At the start, so I think you and I discussed this, and I said this is going to be like Barca's going to have a real bounce back, and there's a good chance they win the Champions League. No. I really hate to say it because it's the team that you picked, and I think both of us would be like heartbroken to see this happen, but I think I really Juve right now. Yeah, is, Juve looks like the team that's, that's got to be at the, the pole, the pole uh, uh, at the pole right yeah. now, leading leading the pack. I really can't see. I, I think that Juve has put all their eggs in this basket this year. Yeah, I think yeah. the the problem Juve will face is they the Chesney in net is not. No, so, yeah, yeah, it's not Buffon. Yeah, yeah, and, and Buffon is not Buffon. Well, ask PSG yeah. that that question. We see what, what a happens. jerk. Couldn't he have just walked away? Like, you know, no, he, like, he, he wasn't happy with the money he's already got. No, he's got to make more money, you know what I mean? Like, you know, to go play with for another. Well, you know. PSG, going to PSG is like, going to PSG is for a higher end player, what lower end players do by going to the MLS. I think so. Perhaps, yeah. Um, look, I mean. Uh, Although Ibrahimovic did both. Yeah. I do want to say one thing that's that, about this. Um, if, if Barca is going to win this year, it's going to, I mean, they're going to do it because, you know, Messi is Messi, going to just... Yeah, it's coming, it's coming to the end of Messi's cycle. And I think he'd like to get that other Champions League trophy in his pocket before another one before, you know, he says adios, you know. Uh, do you think he would go back and play in Argentina or just retire? I don't know, man. I just don't based know. on the relationship he has with the Argentine public. I, 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 I'm kind of old school in this regard. I would really love it if, uh, to be quite honest with you, um, he stayed with one club for like, you know, this whole, like, you know, those players are retired. Not even Javi and Yes did yeah. that. Yeah, I know. They, they went for the big money in China and, uh, and the United Arab Emirates. But I mean, I, I, I don't know. Did he, no, Iniesta went to Japan, right? Yeah. Iniesta, sorry, he went to Japan. But I mean, no, I mean, let's, let's I just wish, you know, that they walk away, you know, from playing for one club. We don't see that anymore. I mean, the last guy that – and he didn't even play for – like he, the one man, the one guy, one club guy that I can always remember really was um, was Batistuta. But Batistuta, you know, he stayed with Fiorentina when they went down. But he also played with Boca, and then he did a year in Roma, and then he did a year in, in – in, in, in uh, We're not going to talk about the, the, the Roma. We're not going to talk about – we're not going to talk yeah. about. I don't want to talk about Totti. Totti, Totti did the one club thing, but that Totti did that because he was chicken. He, you know, he was afraid to go play for Juve or Milan because there he oh, would have yeah. been with well, real champions. Real Madrid, yeah, or Real Madrid. Yeah. But you know, was it Paul Scholes? Didn't Paul Scholes stay his whole club, his whole year, his whole Scholes, career in United? Scholes, Giggs, uh, Neville. Well, one of the Nevilles. Yeah, they stayed. They stayed their their whole career with one yeah. club. Right? And the only reason Nicky Butt left is because there was no room in the midfield for him anymore. Mm-hmm. But he's back managing the the, yeah. the U8 the reserves now. Sorry, um, and obviously of the class of '92, Beckham just yeah. left. Well, I mean, the other well, guy. No, sorry, he did not leave. We sold him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, 
Let's move to the MLS. Uh, this is this is going to be interesting. Uh, my brother, you tell me. So first, we might as well talk about, you know, former champions not even making the playoffs. Uh, they did win a trophy this year, which means they are going to be in the Champions League next yeah, year. Okay. So, you but know, it's, it's only really not much competition for that Canadian Cup. But, you know, well, Montreal's about to make, Montreal's a good shot to make the playoffs, and so does Vancouver. Yeah, but they're, they're not they, great teams. Like, I mean, like, hey, dudes, pull up your socks. You know what I mean? Let's, 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 let's. A lot of injuries. Yeah, uh, they they were definitely hampered. Like you definitely see that there was a a definite focus to try and win the Champions League, and it didn't go through. And I think I think the disappointment of not winning the Champions League was uh, was something that was very difficult to bear for a lot of them, um, especially for both Josie Altidore and and Michael Bradley, who suffered, you know, not qualifying for the World Cup uh, in the same way. So they've taken a lot of abuse in the last uh, in the last few years, which I think is is really disappointing. Like I don't, uh, the American public does not remember heroes for un, un, until they're villains. And then they treat them like villains only. Mm-hmm. And like, you have to think, you remember there's a goal. Michael Bradley scored in the Azteca, the volley from like yeah, beautiful. The, 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 I, I like Michael Bradley a lot. I, I, I think, I think he, uh, he, I think he did it right. You know, he got his education in Europe. And uh, you can see that it comes back, and I and I love the way that he gives the ball away a little too yeah, much. Yeah, a little bit, but, but yeah, but you know he, he commands. You know, um, I want to be fair with TFC. Um, they were riddled with injuries this year, and that was really tough on them. And I don't think you know they they slipped behind early on, and uh, they couldn't get back up. Yeah. I mean, and it's kind of hard, when you right? Look at Giovinco, they said uh, Giovinco, uh, Altador, and. Oh God! Why the the midfielder, the Spanish, the Spanish? Uh, yeah, did I think in total they only played a total of ten games? Yeah, like, I, I, and that's minute wise. Like yeah. they didn't actually play ten games together. It was just in total of minutes. They only played about ten, like nine hundred minutes of the full season together. And and like and to add on top of this, I mean, like it's kind of like I mean they they made it to the finals two years in a row. They were top of the league for two years. Uh, they did win the supporter shield. Um, uh, I mean, like we'll get into that in a second. I, I do want to say though, Asorio for them I was this going season to say that has been an incredible revelation. It's fantastic, but you know, like it's kind of hard to kind of keep maintaining that kind of uh, uh, level of play. And, and the way this league is structured, there's like you said it last week uh, or, or in the last pod that didn't make it to air. There's too many teams. Um, I don't. I, I don't. North I, American travel versus travel yeah, in any other league. It's hardcore. The Champions League and Europa League is just incredibly difficult. It's, and and I don't. I gotta be honest with you. I mean, I, I just really, I, I really dislike this kind of emphasis that if you win the playoffs, that is the prized trophy. Uh, the playoffs are just basically a knockout tournament, and essentially the season is to qualify for these playoffs and you know to get certain to kind of qualify at different entry points. I think that the real trophy is the supporter shield, and you know I I I, um, I, I really think that you know uh, uh, one of the things is that they, they need they need to kind of change this. I, I would love to see uh, a kind of a connection between the USL, the NASL, but. You know, if you know the history of North American football, which is tremendously rich, and a lot of people do not know this, there's an extraordinary history. Like there's there's deep roots in football in North America. Uh, 
uh, I wish that you know that they would unite and uh, begin having a league structure that has a relegation system. But I, I just don't see that happening. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what's going to happen with the Canadian Premier League and how this is going to weave into all of this. You know? Yeah. So there are big rumors that have been coming out over the last few days, um, mostly fueled by the president of Liga MX in Mexico saying we should just create a full North American league. I think that'd be madness. I think that's travel. No, it's just too big. It's too big. I mean, I think like Mexico has got like multiple championships. I think that, you know, they would just water down the product so much. I think what they need to do is the MLS uh, is by all discussions, they're probably going to introduce another two teams over the next two years. Yes, there are actually three. I think there are three teams because you have to include Beckham's Miami Inter Inter Miami. Ridiculous. Or Miami Inter. Yeah, Internationale than Miami. Like, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, better than like a Cuban. Just just call yourselves Miami FC for Christ's sakes. I mean, like, what is this? Like, Real Salt Lake or Sporting Kansas City. Or DC, I mean, I DC, DC United. What did they unite? You know, but this is like ridiculous. But I mean, stop with the teams and focus on the championships. Like, uh, I think that one of the things that they should bring forward out is I think that they should bring uh, this U.S. Open Cup, which is the longest, so oldest uh, sporting uh, trophy after after the Grey Cup of Canada. It's the oldest sporting competition in, in English North America. So it goes back almost 100 years. And I would love to see that uh, showcased uh, a, a great deal more. I think know? I think they do a, a, a decent job. The problem with the U.S. Open Cup is that it's it's run by U.S. soccer, and really the relationship between U.S. soccer and yeah. MLS is going to take years to fix if it is ever fixed. Well, I mean, be, before we get into this, uh, I don't. Well, I just want to like shift gears just a little can, bit. We can get into this, I think, in another podcast because I think it I think it deserves the time to really dive deeper into it, but. Well, before in terms we do, of the yeah, support, well, in terms of the supporter shield, I want to go back to the supporter okay. shield. Um, you've got two teams essentially battling it out now. Nobody else is really anywhere close. You have Red Bull New York, which I don't even think they're they're not in New York. No, they're in the they're they play in uh, Jersey. Yeah, uh, in, it's like uh, the Jets. No, no, not, the Jets are are a Shea, right? Yeah, they're long more Long Island. Whereas uh, they play in, uh, what, what's the name of the giant stadium? Uh, the Meadowlands. Yeah. So, yeah, New York Red Bulls are, are essentially Jersey. It's New York City that's the New York team. But, right? the, yeah. but the pick, I think, that both of us would, would agree on has to be Atlanta United. And they play great football, man. They play oh, great football. And they're managed well. And they, and they sell out 70. Like, they match sellouts of Europe. Like, yeah. Um, like they sell more tickets than some European teams do. Blows me away. And they got this kid Martinez, this Venezuelan, who played in Torino. And like in like Torino, like well, how many goals has this guy scored? Like something like 40 or something? 30 something. Um, yeah, 30 something goals. And Torino must be like just going, what did we do? Like, why uh, can we this bring guy... this guy back? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I actually. Barco in the yeah. midfield. Almiron has been incredible as well for this. Within team. that league, they play some of the most exciting football. I, I, I think that they're. they're, they're I think uh, it comes out of the manager. Yeah, I think they're, they're leaders right now. I think they've got to be considered the favorites to win. Uh, Win the playoff tournament. I mean, right now, from what is it? it they're neck and neck with uh, Red Bull, right? Yep. Yeah, to win the the the, uh, the supporters' shield. 
Yeah, uh, there's, there's no news, one close in the Western Conference. Hey, man, uh, just uh, news today that uh, there is a, a rumor that Columbus is going to be saved. Yes, the Cleveland, the owner of the Cleveland Browns, which is probably like that means Columbus will never win another game because <laughs> welcome, welcome to the, the that world, which wouldn't bother me as a TFC fan because uh, because of the of the of the manufactured. I like to call it a manufactured derby because there's literally no reason Toronto and Columbus should be a rivalry mm-hmm. at all. Well, I mean, uh, you know, look. But I, I want to before the last. You go first because then I have, I have one last. Just, point just a suggestion to our listeners, and, uh, and if you watch really, the playoffs, yeah, no, no, like I'm, I'm totally look. I, I, I know I got a reputation for slagging the MLS, but uh, I love it. Okay, and I'm really glad, and I'm very happy that we have this professional soccer league, and I'm glad that it. it it's continually, uh, it's continuously growing, and that it's edging out hockey as one of the top four. Um, and who knows, man? It, you know the way the other sports seem to be kind of going on a decline. Soccer's coming up on an, an incline, and the demographics, you know, in terms of immigration, eventually you'll see this kind of like start to take root. And I can see it only getting better. Um, the only thing is, is like I just wish they would protect it better by, you know, structuring their comp. I mean. The, the, the competitions way, need to be structured differently. The, 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 the product on the field will speak for itself. The competitions need to be structured differently. And if you really are interested in the history of this game, or the history of football in North America, and you really want to follow the NFL, I, I strongly urge you to follow this fellow by the name of Kartik Krishnair. Uh, he's on Twitter as uh, Kartik, K-A-R-T-I-C. This guy, uh, he speaks, he's a senior writer for World Soccer Talk and sports business writer. Um, this guy, his knowledge of football, period, is, is amazing. But his, his knowledge on North American football is something to behold. And uh, follow him on Twitter. He's, he's a really cool guy. I hope one day we can have him on our show uh, when we do something very special about the MLS one. I think we should do a historical show of football in North America. Point. Uh, last point. Uh, who has had the biggest impact this year in in MLS, Wayne Rooney or Zlatan Ibrahimovic? I was going to say neither. <laughs> okay, uh, when you said like impact, but but if you phrase the question just between between these two guys, wow, that's tough. Um, I, I would have to give it to Rooney because uh, you know LA has got a pretty good club. I mean, they got some real bright spots there. They've Both got, Dos Santos uh, yeah. brothers. They've got a tradition. Uh, they, they're a winning tradition. Um, they uh, have an ex- exceptional following out of, out of Southern California and, and Los Angeles. But then that's also been the case with DC because DC uh, was, you know, the, the original winners and they won, I think, the first, first three or four, four or something like that. And, you know, but uh, I, I mean, he, like, let's put it this way. Um, take Zlatan out of LA and LA. I don't think really fluctuates that much. No, they still be out of the playoffs. Yeah, take Rooney out of DC United, and they're at the bottom of the table. You know what I mean? So I think that's I think that's a really a really fair point. I I I go back to that that one where the the corner kick and he tracks back because their keeper's gone up. Goal of the season, man. I mean, there's been a lot of goals. Everybody likes to see these goals where there's, you know, scissor kicks, Ronaldo's goal but against the, Juventus. The that, ball that, that he yeah. puts into the box. That's, half, to me, that's, that's one of my favorite goals. He runs back, 
takes the ball from the guy, saves a, a real uh, full chance okay, from the other team from scoring, turns around, kicks the ball like almost 50, 60 meters. From half. From half, right dead on to the head of this 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 attacker and score and sets up this this winning goal that to me that to me is pure football man i mean yeah yeah so, for those of you who slag rooney yeah i gotta give him props like, like listen leading like it takes a lot to be the all-time leading scorer at a club like manchester united to yes win the it does that he has yeah uh sure his england career didn't turn out the way that uh that a lot of people i think expected but let's face it, English strikers have a kind of a, a recent history of not being all that great. So Rudy is a good player. Ask other good players and they say the same thing. Yeah. It's like when we talk about Paul Scholes and like you ask Xavi and you ask Iniesta, you like you ask the great midfielders of this generation who they want to play with and who they think the best midfielder is. Yeah, no, they'll tell you exactly. You got to listen to the, you got to listen to the players when they talk. I think. Moving on, uh, we're going to move on to what looks like it could be the most exciting tournament in all of world football right now: the Copa Libertadores. The semifinals are mouthwatering. So okay. they have we have uh, we have essentially uh, Boca versus Palmeiras. Uh, and on the other wing, River versus Gremio. So we, okay, both of these semifinals, like, deserve to be finals in their own right. Yeah, it, it's like these are like, first of all, all four clubs have extraordinary histories and traditions. All four clubs are pretty much playing some of the best football that they're, this year in the world. Um, potentially, we could have a River-Boca final in the Copa Libertadores. Let me repeat that. A River-Boca final in the Copa Libertadores. In the in the hundred plus years of the, the existence of this rivalry, which probably ranks maybe uh, second to uh, Celtic Rangers in terms of rivalries, Boca-River have only met in a cup final once, and that was last year in the Supercopa the Argentinian Super Cup. To have these two end up in, in the Copa Libertadores final would be, uh, I mean, a spectacle of extraordinary proportions. I, I, I kind of hope it, it happens, but if it doesn't, it doesn't matter because whoever ends up in the final out of these four teams, Gremio, I think, is a two-time winner. Palmeiras is, a, is also a winner. Uh, these are clubs with, you know, it's essentially Brazil versus Argentina versus Brazil versus Argentina. Has, has it always been a two-legged final? Yes. For the, well, not, not always, but I, I'm pretty sure for the longest, for the most part, it's always been two legs home in the way. They don't do like like uh, like one where we pick this magic location. Yeah, well, I, I like that. I like that, and I think that's what they should do with the MLS. They should pick a neutral neutral site, and uh, that final should be held in the neutral site. Yeah, usually how how MLS does it is it just goes to the team the of the one, final two who the, has the best record, record which I, I think is wrong. If they're gonna have a knockout tournament. You want to change? I think. Yeah. I think you're right. You want to. They should have a neutral. Bit. It should be a neutral. But you know what that would mean, right? That we would never see a, a championship held again in Toronto or or, or 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 Canada. The only place I could think it would be Vancouver is because the stadium could be indoors and it's not on even grass because it'd be too cold to have a final up here. They would always have it where it would well, be warm. They they can and in Toronto you could not move to the Sky Dome based on ownership problems, but yeah. in in Montreal you could technically move it to the old Olympic Stadium. 
God forbid. <laughs> okay, that is the worst building. After after the Silver Dome in Pontiac, which was probably sold for what four hundred thousand, it might be one of the worst stadiums in in, in definitely in, in English North America, maybe even in the world. You know, I would just why not hold it in probably one of the best stadiums, also in Michigan. Like hold it at the the university. Like maybe not even hold it at an MLS stadium. Yeah, you, so you hold it at like a well, I mean, the university. The Rose Bowl. Yeah, something, but I mean, like, you know, I think what they should do is they should hold it, in my opinion, at a neutral site, but they won't. And I think that's the, 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 the Copa Libertadores, look, trust me, it's, it's moving in that direction. But let me say this. This is like, for those of you who can get these matches, uh, make a point of watching them. And I, I mean, uh, cheer for who you want, but I'll be honest with you. Let's hope that we see a Boca River final because that would be amazing. That would be unbelievable. Um, let's uh, move to uh, the, the secondary competition in, in uh, South America. It's the Copa Sudamericana. And uh, essentially we're at the quarterfinals there. And uh, it's really interesting, I mean, the teams. I mean, once again, these are teams that nobody kind of follows and nobody really knows about out there. Like you have Deportivo Cali versus Santa Fe, both Colombian teams. You have Nacional de Montevideo, which is Kind of got a soft spot for them, although I'm a Peñarol fan, against Fluminense, which is the uh, upper-class club of Rio uh, from Brazil in another quarter. Uh, Atletico Paranense from Brazil against Bahia from Brazil, another good quarterfinal. And Junior FC from uh, Colombia versus Defensia Justicia, which it's this, like, this is like, I mean... I don't know. This is Sudbury winning like a Canadian championship. Yeah, or like I would say like uh, uh, Catania winning Serie A, or uh, um, Nîmes winning Ligue 1, or Hull winning the Premiership. You know what I mean? Um, We saw this though years ago uh, with this team from Colombia called Once Caldas. Okay, which was like this like small, ridiculous little club winning the Copa Libertadores. See, this is this can still happen in South America, right? That would never happen in, in, in Europe. Rarely. I mean, we saw that with Leicester a couple of years ago, but those are one-offs. Like you see those ones happen maybe once every 20, 25 years. In South America, it's very common to see these clubs come out of nowhere, you know. So and, uh, yeah, that kind of pretty much rounds up uh, our discussion. Um, uh, one of the things we wanted to talk about earlier. Um, um, so a couple of things that I, I wanted to get into. Okay. So the, fir- the first thing is, so uh, we do have a couple of resident Australians uh, who who have, you know, <laughs> Derby relation football clubs, but I'm not going to get into those. We're going to get into probably one of the weirdest stories um, going on right now, and that is uh, Olympic gold medal sprinter Usain Bolt scoring his first two goals uh, in a, now in a friendly before the season starts uh, in full for them. Uh, good for Usain Bolt. Congratulations. Um, yeah. But again, the heresy of the run. Yeah. Literally the heresy of the run. But I mean... Usain Bolt is an exceptional athlete. Let's let's be let's be honest. I mean, like, there's a reason why he can pull it off, right? And 
you know, I mean, we've seen like in other sports, you know, uh, Bo Jackson, you know, go from baseball to football, football to baseball. Deion Sanders doing the same thing. Well, Michael Jordan tried it, but it wasn't. Well, Michael wasn't, Jordan tried wasn't very successful. The only, the only reason Michael Jordan went to play baseball is because he, he basically got to do a suspension for gambling. I mean, we all know that, that that's the greatest open secret that he was betting on basketball games. And uh, they didn't want that to come out. But I mean, you know, um, it's a great story. Uh, I, I mean, but it, I, I must say, as, as a purist, it's a novelty story. Okay, you know, that's fair. Um, the only thing we did want to say was uh, we were talking earlier about divers and uh, Hardman. When Hardman, and we wanted to hear from you, who are who your are your favorite, most your favorite, favorite or yeah, your favorite Hardman? Uh, which who's yours, Steve? Vinnie Jones. Vinnie Jones. Okay, good choice. Good. Ch- Mine. I I I I think the man is an, is an absurdity. Uh, but <laughs> to himself, yeah, yeah, to himself, and uh, I mean, riddled with personality disorders. But I loved Roy Keane. Can you can you refer to Eric Cantona as a hard man? No, nah, he, he was. Like, he drop kicked a fan, like drop kicked a few people actually. Like, no, he was he was hard, as hard as nails. But I mean, that kind of Gattuso. You would you you'd pick Gattuso, Gattuso. Gattuso? Yeah, I would totally, totally. Roy Keane, Roy Keane would would eat the goalposts to win a game. Okay, and uh, I mean, Roy Keane is 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 a, is a footballer that we will never see in our lifetimes again. Like that kind of player. I mean, the guys, the guys in nutcase. I mean, let, let's let's be honest. But I mean, he was our nutcase. Yeah, though. yeah, he exactly. And I mean, the, the man commanded. I mean, like he made other players play better. I mean, regardless, and he knew what things were doing. And if you listen to people who play with him, they'll tell you that not only was he a hard man, but he 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 pulled great performances out of other players. If you had to provide like a lesser known player. To, to our listeners, like a lesser known hardman, someone maybe like the average the average soccer fan or the the new to soccer fan maybe hasn't heard of. Is there someone that oh you- Mario Caluna uh, in the sixties from uh, um, um, Benfica? He was a Mozambique player, but I wouldn't even consider him a hardman. I mean, he was hard, but he also had extraordinary skills. Like he was an incredible. Uh, passer uh and stuff but he you know i mean he tackled hard i mean there's a lot of good like i mean that's kind of missing from the game you know and the teams that do kind of have that kind of guy uh, uh i think that they still like the cholo was a hard man you know what i mean hard working incredible uh midfielder that tracked back and made sure the passes were there uh, i mean i don't think i don't think you see that kind of guy anymore i mean can you name a guy now that that, that would fit that mold Patrick Vieira was an, another great hard man, and, and it came at the same time with uh, him and uh, and Keane, you know? So, like, I'm thinking of someone who wouldn't mind going through you to get, like, they want the ball, like, the ball is theirs. But they were skilled, play. too, right? They just weren't carrying water. Like, Gennarino Gattuso was a great hard man, but Gennarino Gattuso had no skills. I mean, like, the guy just basically, he was a water carrier, but he, he was like he did his job and he did it well, and he was a good football guy. He understood the game. He made other players better, but he wasn't oh, skilled. Benega, but, but I don't think he's hard. Like you know what I mean? He's a good guy, but you, you don't you don't have that kind of guy anymore. Like you know who's gonna, like you know, uh, you know. I, I've seen one guy really tackle hard and play very very hard, and it's um, uh, Bahrain for. Uh, Real Madrid, but he's a center back. He doesn't play that much of a hard man. And also Jimenez for uh, Atletico plays very, very good. 
But we don't get any uh, Russo, Russo Perez. Yeah, so you're, you're so used to the hard man being the midfielder and not, yeah. the, not, a, not yes. a center back. Exactly. Uh, and then, obviously, most hated divers. So I'll go to you first. We've already mentioned oh, – like, we've mentioned a few already. The divers. The biggest divers in football. I mean – I'll give you Ashley Young. As my, Ashley, he's kind of reformed. Yeah. Uh, Jurgen Klinsmann, without a doubt, was a great – was one of the biggest divers I've ever seen. Robinho. Robinho. Filippo Inzaghi. Holy crap. This guy would go down like as if he was shot by a sniper in the stands. And uh, Filippo Inzaghi was ruthless. Like, you know what I mean? He was one of those players that had that kind of skill, if you want to call it that, where he would slow down the minute he got in the box and he would let the defender's momentum get carried into him and then he would fall over and he would get the penalty, right? Uh, There's there's a lot of guys like that. But I mean, yeah, I mean, they're the biggest one, in my opinion. And the biggest one is Jurgen Klinsmann. You're, I mean, just look up Jurgen Klinsmann. You, you don't think Neymar's diving in this previous World Cup equals Jurgen Klinsmann? Klinsmann was insidious. Klinsmann got away with it, okay? Neymar doesn't get away with it as much anymore. Well, there are more cameras now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. oh, God, who else is really – who else was really bad? I'm trying to think, like in, – because England doesn't have the same history. And and this is like this very idea of the English play the, the game the, the way it's supposed bullshit. to be. Bullshit. David Beckham was a big diver. Yeah. Well, especially when he moved. Yeah. Yeah. Again, yeah. Comment, but. but I mean, there, there, there's, you know, I mean, listen, it's part of the game. I mean, these guys well, who want to get rid of diving, they have no business being football fans. And this this could end up being a whole debate between the two of us. Yeah. Like there's a difference between embellishment and there's a difference between, like, there's a difference between embellishment and diving. Right, diving is the absence of contact. Embellishment is contact has happened. You've made it look worse. The, and embellishment is an art. And I absolutely, to me, we, we, it should we, not be removed. Diving, no, 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 diving is what makes the game better. I mean, I, I mean, I'm not saying I, I, I hate divers, and I will scream at them, and I've, I've gotten into trouble with neighbors screaming at the TV, and, and I, I've seen. Like, I'll give you two great examples of it. Okay. Uh, Maluda in the ninth, in the 2006 World Cup final against uh, Italy against France. Blatant dive to get the penalty that, that Zidane scores on. Blatant dive. I mean, go look it up. You won the game anyway. Yeah, yeah, but we won the game, but still, I mean, it, it, it was, to me, it was one of the worst World Cup finals ever. I mean, because it was ridiculous. Uh, but, but that was a dive. And, but, but it, it happened and it's part of the game. The the other one that 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 drove me crazy and that's it's the opposite was um, Fabio Grosso against in the same World Cup against uh, Australia. I mean, he no matter what he did, he could not get around the fullbacks from Australia. But they were they were and you could see that as the game kept progressing, they were becoming more and more aggressive and more reckless. And Grosso did what I thought was a masterstroke genius. I mean. He knew that he could not get around this guy. This guy was just physically beating him up. And he would get around the first or second guy. And then the third guy would come in with a slide tackle and take him out. So, on, 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 you know, in, in injury time, what does Grosso do? Carries the ball into the box. It's extra time. Yeah, extra yeah. time. Sorry. He goes, yeah, carries himself into the box. He sees this lunatic coming at him. And what he did is he just stood still and he let the guy go into him. Now we can debate. You and I have debated this for years. That's that there was there was there should have been a penalty called in the other 
other but, direction. But we, this is another question about referees and breaking even. And, you know, we, that's another thing. Sometimes you break even. So, yeah, tell us tell us who your most loathed diver is and tell us who your greatest hard man was. And uh, we'd like to hear that from you guys, man. Uh, uh, really would. Yeah. So that just does it for us uh, today. Um, thanks for listening. We'll have a after, – after this podcast, you should see another one coming out in the next few days. Um, and this is going to be on, 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 on our name. Yeah. Why, yeah, why we are, why we are who we are. And we'll, we'll give you some history on that. And we'll try to be a little bit more, uh, uh, consistent, uh, in terms of, uh, our podcast on a weekly basis. Perfect. So, uh, again, thank you all for listening in and, uh, and we'll see, we'll see you next week. Well, we-